Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. Joyce is the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, a program that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. As a certified coach, she studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, author of the Chicken Soup book series, where she served as an assistant to his training program. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted hundreds of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guest will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host, Joyce Buford. Good morning. Welcome to Second Wind. What is your transition that you are going through today? Is it nothing? Is life smoothing, sailing along without any decision, heavy decision making, because it is summer. And if you have children at home, that's enough. Just how do we take care of the family during the summer? But if you are facing a major decision in your life, then this is where you need to be. Because we offer you solutions, options to think bigger outside of the box and to really, really know that your decisions are so important to creating the life that you want to live. Well, one of the decisions, one of the transitions that I went through was a transition of divorce. It was defining to me. It was life-changing, and it brought with it a lot of baggage that I didn't want to go through divorce, I didn't want to experience it, but yet it seemed that my life had taken me to this decision. Now, our guest today is male, and as you know, most of my guests are female. So we are excited to have Ron in here because as he shares his transition with us, it's going to be enlightening because sometimes we don't realize that the transition of divorce, which he will talk to us about his divorce, is just as painful for the male. It's just as painful. And the decisions we make during that time, how we will transition through that difficult time, are life-changing. They can make the transition easier, less painful. So I'm delighted to welcome to our show this morning, Ron Pearl. Ron and I have known each other for about three years, and he's a very interesting and up, happy person. And he brings with him lots of gifts. Now, he is a profit strategist and helps entrepreneurs like myself and other people that are minded to get more clients, to get more money, and create more fun and freedom in their lives. He is the co-founder with his wife of Expand Your Impact Community, which you are going to be learning more about. Now, his wife, Mandy, and each brought their gifts of their talents in business to create this awesome company called Expand Your Impact Community. And you'll be 
getting, he'll tell you some of the offers that they have for you, freebies that you can go at their website. Now, as a profit strategist, you may say, what is this? Well, some of the things that he offers clients is planning and prioritizing, raising your vibration so that all of your life can come to you with ease and joy. Organizing not only your personal life, but your business life. Faith, keeping it and strengthening it to help you go through your transitions in life. Implementation, get things done. Don't we all get into those periods where we just drag our our feet? So how do you get those things done? How do you get through those times? And training, not chasing, as he says, bright, shiny objects, but learning what you need to master to get to the next level. Now, on a personal side, which I always like to impart to our listeners, is husband to Mandy and father to two very active and special boys. And I'm going to rely on you, Ron, to tell us their names because I know they're important. They're an important part of your life. So welcome. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you for that fantastic introduction. I'm so excited to be on your show. We're happy to have you here. So, Ron, tell us the names of your boys. There is Andrew Riley Pearl and Matthew Ryan Pearl. And they are what age? Andrew is 11 years old, and he will be entering the, the, uh, the sixth grade, which mm. in our neck of the woods is middle school. Right? Oh, my he is, gosh. He is leaving, right? He is leaving the, uh, the elementary school and going mm. off to be at the middle school, which is quite a big transition for somebody when they are 11. Yes, it is. Ma- it is. Matthew, Matthew is seven years mm-hmm. old, and he is entering the second grade. Oh, you are busy, aren't you? How many baseball games? <laughs> yes. How many games do you go to a week? <laughs> we, I, I, go, I go to a lot of games. Um, uh-huh. the, the summer season. So yeah. in the summer season, there's um, a lot of, like, sort of extracurricular trips. We just got yeah. back from a four-day trip um, in Houston. Uh, and in another 10 days, we're going to go to Costa Rica for a week. And I'm looking forward oh. to that. That's going to be exciting. Very yeah. fun. Uh, yeah. we're, we're, on the, we're on the precipice of going to back to school, and going back to school will mean soccer season. And to answer your question, I'm the soccer coach for both <laughs> boys. So that's at least two practices and two games every week till March. Yes, and your cheerleader is Mandy White Pearl doing yes. her. Is she? A, I bet she would be a good cheerleader. Yes, uh, I think you'd have to take that up with her. <laughs> um, she, she, uh, she loves and supports us with all of our sporting adventures, but sports are not uh, not real important to her. Um, you know, she. Mm-hmm. Uh, does a good job cheering, but we have a, a sort of a standard joke where she uh, 
she will take a reference of one sport and use it in another sport incorrectly on purpose. Um, <laughs> and that's sort of our inside joke. Um, yeah. Yeah. She does a great job of arranging the, you know, the social calendar around the team and making sure that um, all the boys have what they need, uh, you know, for the whole team. Um, so, for instance, I had a conflict one week, and I had um, two games going on at the same time on different fields. And yeah. Mankey recruited one of the fathers to help, and then she was actually the assistant coach. Just, uh, you know, just holding the fort down until I was able to get there. You know, it's about an hour where you know, she was the she was the head coach in waiting, and she was, you know, just doing that out of right. Yes. Yeah. Did she dress the part? Did she dress she did. the part with the hat yeah. and everything? She had a she had a whistle. She had a whistle. <laughs> she was very official. Yeah. Yeah. She was very good. Yeah. Very, yes, good. Now, we're talking about a very happy, fulfilled life right now. You know, yeah. you're very busy. You have a great relationship with your wife. And life is pretty happy, pretty special. And so I always like to share with, because I know we all go through transitions. And so I would really like for you to share the transition that really caused your life to change its direction? Sure. So I met, um, I met Michelle in college and Mm -hmm. she and I were, she and I were quite close in college. And then when we graduated, um, we moved down to South Florida, um, in 1999, 2000. And in that, I, um, I, I asked her to marry me. We got engaged, and we were married um, for nearly 10 years. And um, towards the end of that, it wasn't, um, you know, a, a dramatic, um, explosive event. It, it just sort of, we became more uh, friends than lovers. <laughs> that energy, you know, in our relationship, just kind of dissipated and it became more of an aggravation than a love affair. And mm-hmm. with that, um, I moved out and we got a divorce. And mm-hmm. initially how that struck me was that this relationship to the outside world was, you know, um, very friendly and everyone thought we got along well and, I, my father and my father-in-law were, you know, um, seeing me ascend in the family and I was mm-hmm. going to take the reins. I was going to take the reins and be sort of the, you know, the male leader, you know, within the family in short order. You know, we're, we're having children. Right. And, you know, there's a house and, you know, there's a whole pecking order in how this mm-hmm. is going to get worked out. And on the inside, um, I knew I was unhappy and it got to the point where, I was dying on the inside because I didn't feel like I could talk about what was going on for me. I couldn't talk about it with, you know, in a direct way with my wife. And if I talked about it at all, I felt like I was, um, that the character that I had built myself to be, um, would, would die. Mm. Uh, And so Mm. it, 
I got to a personal breaking point where I finally put myself ahead of this, you know, this marriage, and I was willing to do something different. And that's the first part of that transition. Instead of just um, creating more drama and trauma and and you know uh, more negativity in the relationship, it mm-hmm. seemed, it seemed um, you know more logical and loving and humane to separate and choose something different. And right. It, the first time that that comes out is you know there's a fight and. You know, it was very triggering to the to the family at large. Uh, you know, which most times it would be. Um, and you know, in going through that, I had to then talk about all the things that I had not been talking about before, both to my immediate family and honestly to myself. And that's where my transition through that really really began because mm-hmm. when I was going through that, I needed to understand what I contributed to that and why right. it had happened. I had always been um, a speaker in terms of knowledge and spirituality and, you know, sort of how life works. And mm-hmm. I've always been committed to the principle that I'm responsible for my life right. Right? On, on a basic level. I don't want to blame other people for it. So I could tell you a story where, you know, she did this or I did that, and I could go into the, the, you know, sort of the, you know, the who, what, when, where, why of how the relationship evolved. But once I had gotten outside of the immediacy of it, I began to seek to, you know, uh, I don't know, repair myself or understand (laughs) what had happened more. And I went to... Uh, I went to self-help groups. Mm-hmm. I went to um, uh, Kabbalah, uh, which is an ancient Jewish um, mystic um, house of worship. And mm-hmm. I was there. Um, and I learned a great deal. And I, what I was hoping to share with you today is a few of the most powerful instances that really were able to shape my mindset coming through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so well, I, the, always, I have one question. Life. So, go ahead. Ron, the transition for your divorce didn't just happen like in the last year or two years. For most people, I'm thinking it's it's more of a longer transition than that. It, is that right? Is that the way yours have unfolded? Um, well, and I would answer that in two ways. Uh, we had all of the, we, we got divorced without a lot of animosity, without an attorney. We created and signed our own paperwork and got it signed in front of a judge, privately, just the two of us. Yeah. Um, and that just speaks to what's possible when you have the larger, um, the larger idea in mind. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to contribute. I wanted to be relevant. I wanted mm-hmm. to... Uh, I just wanted to be happy, and being married wasn't wasn't creating happiness anymore. Yeah. Um, was she feeling the part. same type of limitation and restriction in the marriage? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I, I feel like we were 
very, very good friends, and mm-hmm. uh, that friendship and mutual respect helped create sort of a, a marriage afterlife that was positive. We also have children in common that we very dearly love, and right. we put we put their as a as a tenant of our existence. We put their um, well being ahead of our discourse. So as yeah. an example of that, one of the one of the first like quiet commitments that I made to myself in my own resurrection was that I didn't um, I, I like for instance on your phone you have um, a picture that comes up when someone calls or texts. I changed the picture to of her to a picture of our boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mm-hmm. changed I changed the name on the phone to um, Boy's Mom. Mm. Right? Instead okay. Of using, yes. Instead of using her, instead of using her first name in any conversation where it came up, in any time that I spoke about it, and um, you know, I would use uh, a pronoun of the Boy's Mom instead of her name, and it helped me in a dramatic way disassociate my personal relationship with her and my new relationship with her as a, as a co-parent, mm-hmm. right? Which is equally intimate and equally challenging. Um, but nonetheless, it was, it was the first of a series of steps that I took to reorient myself. So, and and the, the, the real like critical benefit that it came to me was I always knew to honor her and why I was interacting with her, it made every word like measured and with as much um, love as I could muster from my point of view at the time. Yeah. Because I, I knew that I was, I was fostering them through her. Well, we all, you know, we are, you and I are very aware because of our, coaching experience of the power of words and I think it was very smart of you to even take that down into addressing the boys their father I mean their mother and so I I that was very good of you to do that I would did not do that um I think I do now in speaking about their um my children's father but um did you learn that through or is this just something that you realized i need to make the switch it it was something that i realized in me needing to take needing needing to create the change it was something where i i had a basic commitment to myself that i was going to be responsible and i was going to be low drama so the time when it would come up is uh you know, somebody you're in conversation with somebody. So where are the boys at? Oh, uh, you know they're with their mother, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's something. It's something that subtle. If somebody, mm-hmm. um, if somebody's needing something, I'm at the school and the school has some school requirement. I'll say, let me check with the boys' mom. Right. right. It's something. It's something that subtle, but those things happen all the time. And because yeah, they, they do. happen all the time, if you don't have a strategy. To deal with it, right? It, you yes. might get you might get triggered, mm-hmm. right? And right. that was my way of overcoming um, 
the, the triggers. I also became very committed to um, having peace in my life. And that reinforced the idea of peace uh, in my life. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, I'll have to say not all divorces are as um, peaceful as your transition with yours. I'm sure there were difficult times, but there are so many people that go into divorce in battle and they almost it's like their egos are in in the battle and um just the fact that you were so aware of your children and placed them above all of the battle that could have been there is um, really admirable. But but I'm thinking, even if you do have the battle, that transition of the words and using the words is important to do. It helps um, you as me as the woman or he as the man to transition the relationships, how they will be, you know, from. And I, I think that's a great strategy for, for anybody that's going through a transition like this to rename it, to reconceive it. Um, you know, they would have to find their own principle and, and then utilize the strategy within that principle. Right. So mm-hmm. I have uh, I'm going to be parent of these boys. Like that's never going to change. So I know that I'm going to have a co-parenting relationship. If you are in a, you know, if you are in a divorce and you're and you're not going to be around this person anymore, um, mm-hmm. you may need to consider, um, you know, taking their phone number out of your phone. Yes. Right. So that you, you could dial it, but you might have to go look it up. Mm-hmm. Right? Or you... So I, I made I made other similar things. Like, I was never going to text after, like, 6, 7 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always going to keep the conversation to, uh, you know, a specific point. I was never going to have long conversations in the middle of the night. I... You know, I wanted it to be um, positive, and by not, you know, texting late at night, right? Yeah. It allowed me to always be. I was always fresh, and I was always conscious about what I was doing. And I also recognized that I didn't need to make it immediate or significant. That I didn't need to address it now. That I gave mm-hmm. myself my. I gave myself the space to begin to, to, to talk about those things on my terms in my own way and not feel victim to the fact that, you know, there, there was a conversation that was going to be had. Right. right. Yeah. I set my own limits of it. Of, I, you know, I'll just address this in the morning, right? And right. that wasn't something where I had to prescribe the rules of it to the other people involved. It's just something I knew that worked for me. Right? Yeah. Um, so as a, a suggestion, I would give somebody going through divorce where there is some animosity. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like my, my advice for them might be to, you know, if you have something that you require to state your case, but 
move out of the the judgment of it, move out of the emotion of it as good as quickly as you can, because ultimately the reason you're going through this divorce is because you want to be happier. You believe you will be happier on the other side of it. And the more that you feed that underlying fight, tension, righteousness, the more that you feed that, uh, the longer it will pervade your life. Yeah. One of the things that you shared with me was that very early in the transition, I'm assuming it was early, you might want to correct me, but you accepted the part, your responsibility that you played in this transition. In other words... In other words, you wanted the divorce, and it could have been even, you know, I'm I'm not, I could have done things better. I could have supported him more. I could have met his needs more or her needs. I think we, that is a big, big step for a lot of people. Instead of always playing the victim in the divorce, which we know we many of us have played that, it's so important to accept that you were a participant in the divorce. I completely agree. And mm-hmm. as an example, even it's, so in the transition of it, right, outside mm-hmm. of accepting, you know, blame and credit and responsibility for creating the circumstances under which I would go through a divorce, on the mm-hmm. other side of the divorce, there's always the network of people and friends that were part of your community that are now split, right? Mm-hmm. Typically, there's a, there's a group of people that sort of back one side and a group of people that back the other side. And as that was unfolding, right, I had, um, I had some uh, friends and probably my father helped me come to the realization of how that network split happens and, mm-hmm. and help you help you understand it in a way that you don't um, that you don't blame yourself and you don't blame others that it's not a matter of it being uh, you know the animosity. So for instance, in the people's lives where I have personally fostered the relationship, where I had been a friend to them, mm-hmm. right? where I had sown the seeds of friendship, those people are always my friends. And the people where, in retrospect, it was always my, my, my ex-wife, that she was sowing the seeds of relationship, meaning she would create the event, or she was very close with the wife, and therefore I was an acquaintance with the husband. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. And she was the one that sowed those seeds of friendship, even as I liked them, and we had lots of amazing experiences, once I began to see that I didn't take the time at the time to sow the seeds of that friendship and to make yeah. them my friends, yes. that's, why, that's why it unfolded. Not because right. she wanted them to choose her or that, that, that there was anyone having to say that I wasn't worth it or that I was less than or any of that sort of stuff and there's a lot of that craziness that can come up when you're in the middle of it because yeah. your yeah. your self-worth is in play yes I mean, well ron i'm going to stop you here if there are other comments we can finish that after the break but we are going to a short break 
certainly those relationships are important and we'll be talking more about them when we come back. Thank you. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author, Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Welcome back. We are visiting today with Ron Pearl, and he is co-owner with his wife of the Mandy of the Expand Your Impact community. And one thing we are talking about, and he's been so willing to share with us, is his transition through divorce from his male side. And, you know, every divorce is so different. It's so unique to the people that are in it. And they certainly made the transition, it seems, with with um, a lot of integrity, putting their boys first. Um but I'm sure there were times of frustration and sadness and tears, as that transition can be for anyone going through it. Now, we were talking before break about the transition of friends. Anytime you go through divorce, you lose some friends. They stay with a spouse, and then you keep some of your friends. And so Ron had shared that with us. Was there any more that you wanted to talk about the friendships that stayed with you, Ron, versus those that stayed with your ex-wife? So the way that I uh, basically came to peace with how that happened was that Mm -hmm. the the relationship that, you know, you looked at as a collective, you know, Mm -hmm. almost as a marital asset, you know. um, Yes. (laughs) <laughs> they, they go their separate ways you know, yeah. when, when you get divorced. And it, for me, part of what my, my principle was that it, I wanted more peace in my life. And so I was weighing the angst that I was experiencing initially as the relationships that I once believed were, you know, working this way were now 
pivoting and changing and, you know, becoming new relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Certain of my, you know, I had, a, I had a large friend group and that friend group, it felt like a portion of it dissolved, a large portion of it. Right. And right. initially as that's happening and you're sort of talking it out, you know, in this case, I talked it out with my father and, and, a, and a close friend or two about how that was working. And mostly it gave me an opportunity to flush out what was going on in my mind and then give me a new context. And the mm. context, the context that, that, that I, I really enjoyed was that the, the, the friends that I had, that I had sown the seeds of friendship where I had been a friend to them one-on-one, were always my friends and would always always would be my friends. Mm. Right? But the people where I was an acquaintance of, because my uh, my ex at the time had been the one to initiate and sow the seeds of friendship, right? Because she had been the one to do that. Right. I didn't have an actual one-on-one basis of being a friend to them. Mm-hmm. And once I was able to acknowledge that, acknowledge what I contributed, acknowledge what I was responsible for, then it took away any angst about how it happened or what was going to happen or even any choices anybody would have made because I understood the principle of what had happened where I was never really their friend. If I was Mm -hmm. never really their friend, I couldn't be upset about them not being my friend now, and I could still choose to go back and be friends with them. Right. One of the things that I think we sometimes overlook is that you probably needed to build your communities with more choice and more concern than you had in the past because you um, took on a different um, identity as a single dad and it might require being in a group with single dads. Did you do that? Um, I did a little. I definitely looked for community. I definitely yeah. looked for community. I um, I looked for, for people that had um, young children. And mm-hmm. when you have young children, there's typically, you know, uh, support groups or, you know, communities that you can identify with. Um, but I also needed to find um, new people that didn't know who I was prior. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I needed to... Um, find people that would help me. I was looking for mentors and people that could help me rebuild, uh, you know, the foundation of my life. And that led me to, you know, a series of uh, classes, including the, um, you know, at the Kabbalah Center, right? So when you Mm -hmm. go to, when you go to church, wherever your church is, right, typically people are looking for, you know, one of two things. You're looking for your, you know, to exercise your inner faith and connect with your God and or you're looking for that sense of community mm-hmm. right, where people are coming together to, for a larger purpose. Right. right. Well, in my own transition, I'm going to say, and I hate to admit this, but I really was not into um, identifying and going with the community as I probably would have helped me in the transition if I had sought out more support groups. But I just, it was sort of like I had dropped my ex off and just continued, which I found, looking back on that, was not a good thing to do. 
because I think it helps you recover, move through tr- that transition a little easier. What would you do differently in how you're approaching it? Oh, I definitely would would have sought out a support group. Um, I would have sought out uh, single women or, you know, single women or single women with children that would describe where I was because that way you can build that community. So I would have done that. Interesting. <clears throat> right. So, okay, let now you talk about change in here. And when we take responsibility for our life and having gone through this transition, whatever the transition may be, could be death of a parent, but today or some other transition, moving, loss of job, but today we're talking about divorce, that once you take on the responsibility, there's another thing that comes with it. What's that, Ron? So, um, in my experience, um, you uh, want to create change in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to get to a place where the thing you're wanting to change um, doesn't trigger you. So what I mean by that is, by um, by cre- I wanted to create peace in my uh, in my divorce life, right? Mm-hmm. So I I had to be willing to not be righteous at the same time. Is mm-hmm. if I'm gonna be, if I'm gonna be right about something that is making somebody else wrong about it, and I have to be able to defend the position that I'm in, that I'm right about it. And just mm-hmm. in the sense of it, I'm moving away from peace. Right? Right. So I, there, was a lot, there was a lot of stuff that I let go of where I decided that's not as important as me being at peace. Right. And that's yeah. a big shift because that stuff comes up all the time. So in wanting to create change, that I wanted, I was letting the emotions of it set those emotions about it aside. Because there's a lot of things you can think are important. Oh, this right. is important, and this is important, and this is important. By establishing mm-hmm. what was most important to me, and then operating from what was most important backwards. Right. So yes. you and I share a love of uh, Abraham, and they've got lots of thoughts about that sort of stuff. Yes. Abraham Hicks, which um, you want to explain a little bit about that for some of my audience that may not be familiar with Abraham. Sure. So two of the pieces that I would love to share with your audience are two um, like expansive spiritual modalities that I find inspiring and motivating and really, really excellent contributions to my life. And one of which is... Um, Abraham Hicks is the name of the group. Um, Abraham Hicks has um, been popularized by um, Oprah through a, a movie and a book called The Secret. And the, the underlying principle is called The Law of Attraction. And Abraham is a, uh, is a non-physical uh, entity that is able to speak through 
um, a, a lady named Esther Hicks. And Esther and her husband traveled around the country for the last 20 years putting on workshops in front of a few hundred people at a time, just connecting with this, you know, it's essentially like channeling, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And, and you could ask this person any question you wanted, and they basically sort of downloaded a philosophy on how to live and be happy. Mm-hmm. And through that, just hearing her voice and outside of some of the logical things that come up when you're thinking about being happy, for mm-hmm. me, just hearing your voice, I knew that that was something I really, really enjoyed, just like I might enjoy music. Now, mm-hmm. at, the, at the same time, they are trying to inspire you to be happy. And one of the basic tenets of it is, is as long as you are, you know, when you think about a thing, if you are triggered by it emotionally, you can't change that thing that you have to get to a place where you are not emotional about it, and then you can impact change on it. And mm-hmm. they give you a whole bunch of strategies about how to accomplish that, but the basic tenet of it is if, you, if you're angry about a thing, you can't change the thing while you're angry about it. Uh, yes. Right. The thing that I love about listening to Abraham is the positive approach that she gives everybody. The If you want a car, you have that ability to use the law of attraction where you put that wish out there or the request for it and go on about your life. Life will bring that, reappear that to you and give you the opportunities to obtain that thing that you ask for. But it's also more than just the law of attraction. It is as well the positive approach that somehow in our growing up with our environments, the mindset that we have developed around limiting beliefs what we can't, we're not smart enough, we're not pretty enough, we're not fat, we're, you know, skinny enough, that in her conversation, she dispels that, saying always that we are whole, we are complete, and that we must believe that again. That's yeah. what I I love about Abraham in listening to her. Which you can, she, he would give you a hundred different ways of saying just what you just said, because any one of those ways, somebody else might hear some little kernel of love and truth for them that Mm -hmm. unlocks the rest of it. Right. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So for you, if you went to YouTube and looked up Abraham Hicks, right, you would see a series of videos. There's hundreds of them on there. I keep some of my favorites in my YouTube channel. I Mm -hmm. listen to, I listen to, um, several hours of this a week, and it's very uplifting, reinforcing, and I keep it as part of my morning practice along with meditation. Right. And there's there's two videos that really struck me and changed my life, and one of them was called The Rampage of Invincibility. And to your uh, to speak to what you were talking about, the positivity 
Yes. Um, there's a concept that, that they offer one of their processes in order to, you know, reinforce and change and, and, and you know, amplify your life. It's called a rampage, right? And what you do in the rampage is you think about and then state or write down all of the positive aspects of a thing that you like or a thing that you want. And it moves you into excitement, enthusiasm, and gratitude, right? So Mm -hmm. I love that I get to be alive today. I love that the sun comes up and I don't even have to think about it. I love that there's air to breathe. I love that my lungs are full. I love that the bed is soft. You can imagine I could run like that Mm -hmm. over and over and over and over, especially with just a little bit of practice. I mean, like the miracles that are around us in our life all the time are incredible, and we take a lot of it for granted. And this is a way to reinforce and remind ourselves how beautiful and lucky we are to be alive in this world right now. And by getting into that state of immense gratitude and immense potential, you're, you're at this higher vibration in your life where all this other beautiful stuff has to come to you. Right? So yes. That's the yes. real unlocking beauty with Abraham is that they give you these processes. So in the process analogy that you were speaking about that we've organized our, our company principles around, raising your vibration is this idea that, you know, think about it just from basic physics, right? E mm-hmm. equals M C squared. Like you've heard of that. Even if you're not into this technical physics stuff, what they're trying to say is that everything is energy. Right? So the wood and the metal and the table, those are all energy, and they're far more space than they are solid. They're mm-hmm. actually vibrating. Right? So raising your mm-hmm. vibration is the difference between water and steam. Right? Mm-hmm. And in an emotional sense, love is a higher vibration than frustration and anger. And by moving yourself vibrationally into a space of love, Right or gratitude or passion or enthusiasm or expectation, right? These higher vibrations that the things that are like that are drawn to you. Law of attraction states that the things that you put out, the things that you broadcast, will be brought back to you. That the universe, the God force, will deliver things like that to you. Yeah. Right. And you've seen and heard it a hundred different ways. But that's what I love about Abraham, and I really excited to be able to share that today. Yeah. One of the things that you and Mandy do in your Expand Your Impact um, community is that you offer through membership uh, retreats. And I remember um, going to my very first retreat with you all where you actually spent a lot of time, we spent a lot of time on a porch listening to Abraham Hicks and reconnected me with um, the work, that work. So I love that you're sharing that with them. And I encourage you listeners out there to just go visit on YouTube, Abraham Hicks, and you will be introduced if you're not already into this um, concept and just listen to a rampage which helps raise your vibration your vibration yeah so that's one of the tools that you have used now 
before we go into the second one, I really want you to talk about the offer that you're making available to them today on your website, how they can go to your website to find out more about your work. So uh, our website is um, the same name as our business. It's expandyourimpact.com. And if you went mm-hmm. to expandyourimpact.com, you'll see on the homepage a picture of one of the retreats you were talking about. And there's mm-hmm. an opportunity to um, get some, uh, some free information and some free training just with uh, an email. We offer um, what, what we look at as, you know, mindset, messaging, you know, marketing, right? Um, the how you show up in the world is your mindset. The mm-hmm. thing you're trying to accomplish is the strategy. And then the how you're going to do it is, you know, the tactics involved. So some of our training is, like, for instance, how to put on a webinar, you know, and that's button pushing and which software to use and then practicing how to do it, an intro and outro, right? Mm-hmm. And then yes. some of it might be, why would you want to put on a webinar or how do I get people to care about my webinar? What should I talk about on the webinar? Which is, you know, more of a strategy than an actual tactic of how to do it, right? And mm-hmm. then you have, you have a lot of, oh, my goodness, kinds of fears that come up when you start to be in front of people, Right, and so that's where the mindset work might come in, or I don't feel like I can do it, or I'm afraid, or I, I I don't think I can, or I've never done it before, and you have a lot of those kind of crazy thoughts that go on in the back of your mind. We work with people to help them, you know, clear the kind of clear the craziness that goes on for everybody. Right. One of the other things that I particularly like about your programs is also the um, practicality. The uh, you know, we're such a social media uh, community now, particularly with entrepreneurship and businesses all over the world, that you run LinkedIn workshops, Twitter workshops, um, uh, webinars, let's say, webinars, um, and they're teaching tools. This is how you get it done, and this is the best way to get it done. Right? I. I love being straight to the point and making it happen and making it seem like it's easy and fun and possible. (laughs) Yes. And you talk about Facebook and building your website and there's a whole list of things. So it's, um, I really encourage you to um, listeners out there to go to expandyourimpact.com, visit the website, sort of play around on it, see what's there. Pick up your freebies while you're there because there's several mentioned and offered there. Um, and also there's a weekly blog. So lots of good information's, information for you. Now, we have about eight minutes left and we can talk about the second um, uh, tool that you have implemented also in your business life. What would that be, Ron? Ask me that again. What would I want in my business life? What? I said, ask me that again. You're asking me what would I want in my business life? <laughs> no. <laughs> I ask you. There's another tool that you wanted to talk to, talk about. Access, oh, yes. Conscious yes. access awareness um, uh, yes. that you want access consciousness. implement. Oh, thank you. I was struggling there. Okay. Yeah, you're doing, so. you're doing great. <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit about that. We just have a short time here. Sure. So um, Access Consciousness is um, a group of 
uh, tools and body processes to help you um, have more ease and joy in your life. Um, mm-hmm. um, the basic tenets of it are that if you can get out of the, you know, the part of your um, story and the part of your brain that is full of thoughts and feelings, and you can mm-hmm. get into more of your awareness, into more of your heart, and uh, stay in the question that you can create more ease and joy and glory in your life. And it includes some body processes. There's points on your head where the energy of your life and the thoughts in your life kind of get stored in your brain. And just by touching your head for just a few minutes, it releases all that energy and all that tension and gives you a lighter sense of who you are. It makes it equivalent to a really good massage, and it's called Mm -hmm. running your bars. Mm-hmm. You could read more about it on the website at, at expandyourimpact.com slash access. And it's A-C-C-E-S-S, access at the end of that. And access consciousness uh, has been a wonderful tool for um, tens of thousands of people around the world to have more fun and joy and glory in their life by running their bars. And then there's additional modalities down the road that help you, um, you know, get out of pain, for instance, Mm-hmm. Um, if you needed to um, have more healing in your life, if you needed to create more money, um, there's ways to go about doing that. Um, and I just got out of this uh, three-day training that I really enjoyed, um, and I'd love to share more with you. I just want to make sure that I'm not, you know, sort of overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we've got a, a retreat coming up this next month, and I'm sure we're going to hear more about the, what you experienced this past weekend. Yes. So <laughs> as, as one way of looking at it, right, you have um, when you see somebody or you see something and you have judgments about whether that's good, bad, or pretty, or ugly, or whatever it is you're, you know, you think about it, right? Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the concept is that you are actually limiting what that is or what that could be for you. And it's a little like the idea of you can't judge a book by its cover, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, putting, in putting that judgment on somebody, right, you don't really know what is possible for them. And by putting the judgment on it, you are no longer able to receive everything that that could be. Right? Right. So you try and stay yeah. in the question of what's possible instead of the conclusion of what you've already decided, and it takes a, it takes a, it takes a little bit of practice because we've had years and years of you know how other people have done it, right, mm-hmm. and how regular people do it, right, and the world that we live in is a world where there's a lot of judgment all the time, and Indeed. moving into a place where you can at least see and establish that this judgment is happening all the time is really enlightening. And that was sort of the first step is that you started to understand how much judgment was going on by Mm -hmm. you and by the people around you and by the world at large about how things should be done. And right. And once you Mm -hmm. get out of how it should be done, you get so much happier because you can just choose to do what it is that you want. And Mm -hmm. people are not used to just choosing for themselves, choosing what works for you. Well, I can see fun process. I can see, Ron, that being open to the question, particularly in a in a transition period, such as you went through and I went through the divorce process, uh-huh. what is in this? What is what is ahead of me? Being open to the 
to the question of what's ahead of me. And I will share that there is never growth when there's the pain seems to come and then the growth comes. It's it's regretfully <laughs> that it has to happen that way. But it seems like being in pain is the impetus impetus to move us forward, to move us out of, to recover, to move. But we have to be asking the question, what is more? What is more for me what to experience? What is possible? Yes, what is possible so for me? There's questions. There's what's right about this that I'm not getting. Right? Yeah. What would it take right. for me to get this done or what would it take for this to happen with more ease or what else is possible or how does it get any right. better than this? Yeah. Right, Abraham well, Ron, tells a story about um, Ron, I can't let you, know you go. Don't want. Ron, I can't let you go into that story because we're about to go away. Okay. But you Another have time. shared so many, so many wonderful things and ideas with our listeners today that I thank you very much for being here. I encourage my listeners to go to YouTube to experience, to do some search, go to their website, expandyourimpact.com, and become enlightened about the possibilities. So thank you very much, Ron. It's been Thank you so much. Yes. So next week, we, of course, will explore another part of transition. But for today, I thank you for being here. Thank you for changing and asking about what's possible. Joyce Buford returns next week at this same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving support during their transition and are able to reclaim their true purpose and strength. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services and 